Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is January 24th, 2022. Astrologer April Elliott Kent is here with me and together we have some big news to share. Hi, April. Hey there, Jen. Yes, there is indeed big news brewing at the podcast that we want to let our friends know about. You know, we've hit some real milestones in our time together at the podcast. We've been podcasting together for well over two years. This is our 107th episode, and the show has been downloaded more than 100,000 times. We've even been heard around the world in over 120 countries and on the top charts over 75 times in a dozen different countries in the past year and a half. April, does that include Latvia? You know it includes Latvia, Jen. <laughs> We're all about being on the charts in Latvia, and Ecuador is recently loving us, too. So we're there. I think we've been on the top charts the most in Latvia. We love our listeners from Latvia. I know. It's always surprising to us and always most welcome. I think Latvia goes all the way back to our first potathon back in 2020. Really? Yeah, I think so. Is that when we first ended up on the charts there? Yeah, yeah. Aw. Well, listen, April. What you're saying is all true. We have marked some big milestones in our time together, but I have to say, you're talking like the podcast is over. Well, that's the good part of the news. The podcast will go on, but why don't you mention, Jen, what the bad news is? Okay, I will. My friends, the bad news is that, due to some unexpected circumstances, I've decided to move on and I'll be leaving the show. So I just want to take a moment to say to our listeners, to our pod pals, thank you so much for tuning in over these 107 episodes. I'm sending each of you so much love and so much gratitude, and I just want to let folks know, too, that you can always find me at my website, jenbrown.com, and brown is spelled B-R-A-U-N, so you can see what I'm up to there. And just want to say thank you so much and hugs to everyone. Well, we are thanking you, Jen, with a lot of hugs and a lot of love as well. And I mean, this show is not going to be the same. I will be carrying on and I'm going to be doing a solo show. But, you know, of course, that's much more like a monologue and much less like the fun conversations that we've been having. And I know our listeners have always mentioned that that's something they really love about the show. And I know they'll miss it. And I know that I'll miss it as well. So, You know, I think I speak for everyone and, you know, wishing you the very best in your journey from here. And we love you. Thank you so much. That's so lovely. And just love and hugs to everyone. So we do have a show to get through because it is shaping up to be a very busy week. We should let folks know that we'll be doing just a one-week show this episode because it's so busy. And then, as April said, she'll be back next week with the solo show for all of you. So let's get to it, April. And how should we start this week? Well, we wanted to cover something that we didn't get to cover last week because we took our week off. And that was the lunar nodes entering the signs of Taurus and Scorpio on January 18th at 10.50 a.m. Pacific time. And as we've mentioned before, if you've heard or read other astrologers Talking about the nodes changing signs back at the end of December, they were referring to the mean position of the nodes, which is an approximation. 
And I use the true nodes myself. So I'm really looking at this nodal shift taking place last week on January 18th. The lunar nodes entered Gemini and Sagittarius back in May of 2020. And they're in a pair of signs for about a year and a half at a time. So they're going to be in Taurus and Scorpio through July of 2023 because they move backwards. They're naturally retrograde. So that's why they're moving from Gemini and Sagittarius and backing up into Taurus and Scorpio. Yeah, and they travel with the eclipses, right? So the eclipse cycle now will be entering the Taurus-Scorpio axis over the next 18 months. Right. And that just tells us that we're going to have eclipses in the time of year that the sun is in Taurus and when it's in Scorpio. And usually a solar eclipse will be accompanied two weeks either side by a lunar eclipse. So this year we are just having the standard four eclipses. We'll have a solar and lunar eclipse the end of April and then in May, and then we'll have also a solar and lunar eclipse in, I think it's the end of October and then November. Could you say a little something about what that means with the nodes in Taurus and Scorpio and how that will reflect in the world around us? Yeah, the shift really, you know, we talked so much. We've talked basically for the last, you know, two years almost about the nodes being in Gemini and Sagittarius. And we always say that the south node of the moon is a release point. It's a point we're supposed to be letting things go, letting go the negative qualities of the sign in question. We're never going to let go of the good qualities of the sign. But what it says is basically you've done enough work in this area. You need to let some of this go and you need to move toward the sign that the North Node is in. The South Node being in Sagittarius for all this time has we've been saying over and over about abandoning the sense that you know everything and moving in the direction of Gemini, which is more curious, more questioning, and saying, where can you learn more? As the eclipses go back into Taurus and Scorpio, so Scorpio, while a wonderful sign, has its negative qualities. And the negative qualities of Scorpio really are about fear, they're about suspicion, they're about jealousy, they're about, you know, a lot of negative things, of course, which every sign has. Taurus, on the other hand, is about being secure and confident in who you are and what you have. So what we're going to be asked to do as a society, I think, while the nodes are in these signs, is to let go of some of the mindset that has us so twisted around the axle about the pandemic, about a whole lot of things in the society where we've tended to go down a rabbit hole of suspicion and conspiracy and this kind of thing, and move in the direction of Taurus, which is much more, we'll take some things at face value. It's difficult because our society used to agree on a lot of things. There was a more communal sense. We consumed the same media. We saw the same movies. And now everybody's splintered into their own little thing. What Taurus is really saying is, hey, Let's just pretend as if everything's going to be okay, that we have reason to be confident in the future, that we can confidently build something new going to the future. So I don't know how well we did with Sag and Gemini, so I don't know how well we're going to do. Basically, what's going to be happening is these lunar nodes over the next year are really going to be connecting with that Saturn-Uranus square 
that we had in 2021. Mars will square the nodes in April, and that can bring some confrontations um, that might require courage. We have Saturn squaring the nodes also in April, like a week later, and that's about taking responsibility for your growth and being willing to do the work of transforming yourself from the Scorpio mindset to the Taurus one. Then if we have planets that are in a conjunction with one of the nodes, that's going to tip the scales toward one side of the process or the other. And interestingly enough, this summer on July 31st and August 1st, Mars and Uranus will make a conjunction with each other and with the North Node. So Mars and Uranus can make really unpredictable and explosive things happen. But I think what I'm taking from their conjunction with the North Node is that ultimately it moves us in a better direction. What are your thoughts, Jen? I think of Taurus as a sign that's about really noticing and coming back to some simple pleasures. And I think the noticing part is important because so often I think it's very easy to overlook, you know, the feel of your dog's fur underneath your skin or the taste of something delicious that you're eating. And I think about Scorpio as authenticity. And so with the south node moving through Scorpio, I think it'll be about releasing that which doesn't align with your authentic self, perhaps. Do you think that that could be true? I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is true about you and how to get rid of anything that isn't truly you. And I do love what you're saying about the north node in Taurus because of all the signs, it's the one that is most keenly attuned to being in a physical body and in a physical world. And it is a wonderful time to celebrate those things, to literally get grounded, to really spend more time outdoors. It's been tough. We've been cooped up for two years, basically. And that doesn't seem to be completely ending anytime soon. But this does encourage us, I think, to connect with the earth in a different way and to take some nourishment from that. And get our confidence from that. You know, anytime we're feeling in life that our survival is in peril, we have only really to recognize how much is ours just by virtue of being on the planet. Here in the United States, we have this beautiful national park system, which I love. And it belongs to all of us. I love that when we were young and my mom would take us on vacations. And we were kind of poor. But when she would take us on vacation, she'd always make sure she took us to a national park. And I had this sense of, I don't feel poor because I live in a place where all this is mine. Mm -hmm. So it's cherishing, as you say, you know, the things of the physical world and noticing the things that bring us pleasure. There's a lot more than we tend to think there is. And that's where the Scorpio stuff, some of it, has gotten a little bit off course. Let go of the part of us that worries about what hadn't happened yet. And let that go. Nice. Well, what do we have coming up next? Next, Mars enters the sign of Capricorn. This happens Monday, January 24th at 4.53 a.m. Pacific time. And I noticed, April, that when Mars enters Capricorn, there is no fire in the chart. Oh, gosh, yeah. Every other planet is in Earth and air and water, and it'll be that way for a while. So as, you know, the moon is in Libra on this day that Mars enters Capricorn, Mm -hmm. when the moon moves into Sagittarius and Aries and Leo, those will be the days that we get some of that fire. But I thought that was really interesting. 
Yeah, it is. And, you know, we're still in that state where everything's between the nodes as well. So there's that real imbalance. But yeah, the fire thing, I think until we get Jupiter into Aries, which happens later this year, you know, we do go through some periods like this. And the lack of the fire element means that we're low energy. And here in the Northern Hemisphere, frankly, it's a low energy time of the year anyway. But this says feed the fire somewhere in your life and feed your fire sign planets. If you have them in your chart, nurture them, sit by a fire, light some candles, play music, do things that are energizing and creative for you. Because I think all the fire signs really have that in common, that spirit, that liveliness, that life force. All things being equal, Mars going into Capricorn's a good thing. But as you say, it does shift that balance a little bit more away from fire. It will be in Capricorn through March 5th. And it's leading towards a big conjunction on March 3rd. Mars and Pluto will come together at 28 degrees of Capricorn. And I believe Venus is pretty close to there around the same time. We have... I think it's a new moon on March 2nd, and then we have like Venus, Mars, and Pluto all together at the end of Capricorn. So it's going to have a big finish in this sign. It's going to really make a crescendo. And then what's going to happen is on March 4th, I think it is, both Mars and Venus enter Aquarius, and then they make the conjunction with each other. Okay. Mars is exalted in Capricorn. It's one of its strongest signs because its energy in Capricorn is a little more restrained and a little more disciplined. So it's good for some things. It's a good time for implementing strategy of any kind or initiating new projects, although I'd probably wait till Venus turns direct on January 29th and Mercury turns direct on February 3rd. But, you know, over time, what I've seen specifically with Mars in its exaltation, even though we think, oh, that's great, you know, because it's really strong in that sign. But what I have heard from people who have it really amplifies the somewhat troublesome nature of Mars. Mars and Saturn are considered the malefics in traditional astrology. And it just says that they're troublemakers to a great degree, or they make things difficult. With Mars, they make things quarrelsome or combative. It's like it accentuates that Mars function if we're not careful when it goes to Capricorn. And it may not look the way we expect Mars to look, which is very fiery but it's happening beneath the surface. So while I, you know, I want to say, hey, you know, it's definitely good for some things and it's fine to have it in your birth chart, but just sort of beware too that Mars, even though he is in such a restrained sign, is still like a dog that is at the end of a very long leash and still needs to be reined in a little bit. What do you think about Mars and Cap? I like the idea of Mars being able to work towards some goals, perhaps. Yeah. And so that's the part about it that I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. That is a very, very good use for Mars and Capricorn. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like we equate it often to like a general in the army, someone who really has an overview and has to organize all of the strategy and have the leadership to take all of us towards a particular goal. So I think that part will be good. Climb that mountain. Climb it. What's next? Jen? Yes? Do you know what time it is? 
I think I do. What will you tell us? It's time for one more moon watch. One more moon watch. <laughs> Play it. <laughs> oh. Oh my goodness, I will be missing Moonwatch. I will be missing our Moonwatch. <laughs> yes, friends, it is Moonwatch. And this week for you, we have a Scorpio last quarter moon on January 25th at 5.41 a.m. Pacific time at 5 degrees and 33 minutes of Scorpio and Aquarius. The sun and moon are, of course, approaching a square because that's what happens at the last quarter. But also the moon is approaching its opposition to Uranus. And I love that the Sabian symbol for the moon at six degrees Scorpio is a gold rush. Yeah, that's nice. So this is like, Eureka! Uh (laughs) You know, I have found it! The sun with Uranus. We'll talk a little bit later, I think, in the show about the sun with Uranus. But basically, at this last quarter, we also have the moon in a lovely trine with Jupiter and Pisces, which is nice because I like the quarter moons because they energize us. They propel us in a new direction. And with the last quarter, it's, well, it's less a new direction and more just kind of looking back and saying, okay, how have I done through this cycle and what adjustments do I need to make going forward? The moon is energized by this process and is opposed Uranus, but it's nice that it has that trine to Jupiter in Pisces, because that gives us some sense of flow, something, as you like to say, the wind at our back, yes, of something kind of propelling us in a positive direction with Jupiter in Pisces. And that Sabian symbol, perhaps something valuable is coming. Or maybe it'll be fool's gold. I guess we'll see. (laughs) Eureka! I think it's going to be, it's going to be very, very good and glittery and golden. Something delightful, perhaps. And it's just making me think of Yukon Cornelius in uh, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Oh, I do remember Yukon Cornelius. Uh, Licking the little pig and saying, nothing. Yeah, yeah, totally. So this concludes a lunar phase family that began with the new moon on October 27th, 2019 at four degrees Scorpio. And then we had the first quarter part, July 27th, 2020, and the full moon on April 26, 2021. So this last quarter moon is connected to those times. Is that right? Correct. And it's always a good time to look back, especially where the lunar phase family began back in late October of 2019, because this is sort of a getting towards the conclusion of that cycle. Okay. What's next, Jen? Next, we have Mercury re-entering the sign of Capricorn on January 25th at 7.05 p.m. Pacific. Of course, Mercury appears to be moving backwards to us. It will still be retrograde through February 3rd. And Mercury was at these final degrees of Capricorn on New Year's Day. So what does that tell us, April? Well, what are you thinking of your New Year's resolutions? You know, Mm -hmm. it's always tricky to try to make any kind of resolutions when Mercury is retrograde. Right. So this time, well, do you want to rethink them? And there's nothing particularly magical about January 1st. You know, on our calendar, it's important. But January is named for the god Janus, the two-faced god that's looking outward and looking inward. So it seems appropriate to me to reassess at this time and say, okay, well, I might have had some idea at the beginning of the year of what I wanted to get done in the coming year, but 
new information has come in and maybe I want to rethink that. And then when Mercury turns direct, it will then get to this point again on Valentine's Day and will re-enter Aquarius on February 15th. So we've still, we've got this little bit of time here. We've got a month really to sort of review these things and think about it. And really with everybody I've been saying anyway, wait until Venus turns direct on January 29th because we're rethinking a lot of things while Venus has been retrograde and conjunct Pluto and all the rest of it. So it is possible we want to rethink some of those New Year's resolutions, that perhaps something has been left unfinished in business or in family matters, because we often forget Capricorn's a family sign as well. So that is how I'm looking at this. Mercury backing into Capricorn. I am all ready for Mercury to be direct. Have you been noticing glitches and having problems with technology? Yeah. yeah, so much stuff. April is nodding her head. You all can't see that. I'm yes. totally nodding my head. I have a new computer that's been sitting there for months needing to be set up. Oh. And it's fighting me every step of the way with every application, every software program I try to put on it is something goes wrong. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that does take a long time to set up a new computer. It does. And I thought I would be in the clear because Mercury's retrograde and I'm redoing my computer system. But right. it's not quite working out the way I had hoped. Well, and listen, I want to remind folks one final time that you can always learn more about Mercury Retrograde <laughs> on Episode 12, Mercury Retrograde, Where, Where Are My, my Pants? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, what's next, April? Well, more Mercury. We have Mercury making the second of three conjunctions with Pluto on January 28th at 8.16 p.m. Pacific Time. At 26 degrees and 51 Capricorn, I'll bet you anything that's the mountain pilgrimage, Sabian Sybil. I haven't looked it up, but I'll take your word for it. You always seem to remember that one. Well, you know, Capricorn, and it really seems fitting, a mountain pilgrimage. So the first conjunction came on December 30th, and now we're having this one, and then we have a last one on February 11th. So I don't know what we said about it at December 30th. I'm sure we talked about it, but it might have been one of those that didn't make the cut because we were trying to do two weeks worth of stuff. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know either. But I mean, folks could think back to that time and mm -hmm. see if there's a story that connects to now related to, you know, Mercury's about thinking and communication and Pluto's about empowerment and transformation. Going deep, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think in researching things, maybe that's the time I need to uh, get cracking again on the computer yeah, is January totally. 28th, because Pluto is about going deep. It's about diagnosing. It's about troubleshooting. It is about getting to the base of the problem. You know, it's not the easiest placement, but it goes pretty quickly. So really, by the next day, January 29th, that's pretty much in the rearview mirror, but it will come back on February 11th. So just know that whatever you're doing, you'll need to finish up at that time. Sounds good. Well, next we have Venus turning direct on January 29th at 12.46 a.m. Pacific at 11 degrees and four minutes of Capricorn. At last. Yay. And there was much rejoicing. Yay. There was much rejoicing. <laughs> uh, this has uh. been a tough Venus retrograde. And Venus going direct begins to at least move us forward in matters related to Venus, relationships, money, 
as you were talking about before, when you were talking about Taurus, it's about the things we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it's been a sort of a cold winter here for that, you know, with Venus being in Capricorn and Venus being close to Pluto and being retrograde. I did a collage for one of my recent columns of kind of a little match girl looking kind of figure, very forlorn looking and kind of dirty and poor. And that's a little what this Venus has been feeling like. It's been hard to get in touch with that love of pleasure, the relaxation. I like the Sabian symbol very much for this one. It's 12 Capricorn, a student of nature lecturing. And what I always think when I see that symbol is there's book learning And then there's learning we get from just living our life. We call it common sense. And the things that we learn from just inhabiting the world and naturally going through the things that we go through. And this is a symbol of that kind of wisdom, is that we have come during this retrograde to a place where it's beyond what we think we knew about things. And now it's really come from experience and from what the world has taught us. Venus turned retrograde on December 19th at 26 degrees, 29 Capricorn. I think, again, that's the mountain pilgrimage. Mm. I only remember it because it keeps coming up. Yeah, it does. And then Venus made a conjunction with Pluto on December 11th and another on Christmas Day. And it's going to make one more on March 3rd. March 3rd's really shaping up to be an important time frame for us around March 2nd, March 3rd, March 4th. Do you have any thoughts about Venus turning direction? Just a couple of episodes that I wanted to point folks to. If you want to hear more about Venus retrograde and what that encompasses, you can go back to episode 104 and hear more there. And to hear more about the conjunction with Pluto, you can go to episode 105. So a couple of our recent episodes. Excellent. Thank you for that. Totally. Our last aspect on the show sheet is the sun's square to Uranus on January 30th at 11.32 a.m. Pacific time, 10 degrees and 52 minutes of Aquarius and Taurus. The Sabian symbol for the sun at 11 Aquarius is man tete-a-tete with his inspiration. And the Sabian symbol for Uranus, a woman sprinkling flowers. Inspiration and beauty sound nice. They sound nice. Again, everything's sort of pushing us towards Taurus. Little explosions of growth and inspiration are what I'm taking from this because Uranus does have that propulsive. Is that a word? I think it is a word, yes. (laughs) Okay, I'm not making up another word. And that's an excellent (laughs) word for Uranus. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The sun square to that releases a lot of energy and a lot of inspiration. This is the day before the Aquarius new moon that happens on the symbol people on stairs graduating upward. And in contradiction to what I was just saying, Blaine Bovey talks about this symbol as being more about a gradual rise rather than necessarily, you know, making sudden discoveries or something. I think it's somewhere between the two. I think the nature of Sun and Uranus is about They're both inspirational symbols. The sun is about our creative self-expression. Uranus is about inspiration and a new way of looking things. So I think it is a day when we feel driven in some way, say a couple of days before and after, that we feel driven to do something new, something that is creative. And Blaine Bovey says 
Yes, but even though the inspiration comes suddenly, it will unfold over time and gradually, and we will get more and more awareness of what it is that it wants to be. What do you think of that? I think that's lovely. You know, I wanted to let folks know that in a few days on February 4th, the sun then actually conjuncts Saturn. Mm. Everyone probably thought we were done talking about the Saturn Uranus <laughs> square. No. That we covered all year, all through 2021. Mm-hmm. But with the sun, you know, squaring Uranus, it'll then join up with Saturn as well. Yeah, and that's a really good point because even though they finished their final square, they're moving really closely together throughout this year. Yeah. And we said on a previous episode, we reminded people that on Jen's birthday, on October 1st, they come within 37 minutes of arc of an exact square. In 2022, you mean? In 2022. Yeah. So we are not completely out of the woods with this, and this is a case in point. So the sun and Uranus brings the explosion of inspiration, and then the sun with Saturn says, okay, how are you going to make it happen? What is the actual foundation that you need to build to do this thing? That's very much what Saturn's about, I think. Yeah, so folks can go back to episode 69, Saturn and Uranus, that escalated quickly. Oh, it's an escalator, too. Isn't that clever? Yeah. All right. Well, Jen? That is everything on our show sheet. Have we done it? One last time, we have done it. 107 episodes. I mean, yay for us. That's not nothing. That's not nothing. Mm -hmm. That is quite an accomplishment. I love that I've done it with you. It's been Mm -hmm. great, Jen. Yeah, and it's meant a lot to me as well. Well, thanks to all of you, too, for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. Without you, nothing. That is so true. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to follow the show on iTunes, if that's where you listen, rate and review. I think you said Spotify now does a a follow or subscribe. Spotify does. You can follow, of course. You've always been able to do that. But you can also rate the show on Spotify Ah, with stars. So yes, give us five stars, please. That's very appropriate stars for a little podcast. (laughs) And we hope that you'll spread the word, too, by telling a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at BigSkyAstropod.com. And I just want to say one final time, we're so grateful to everyone who's given their support over the past two plus years. And of course, to those folks who gave during our potathon this past fall. April, do you think you'll still be thanking donors individually as the weeks go by? Oh, try to stop me. <laughs> of course. They have earned that. It's the very least that we could do. I'm delighted to carry on this fine tradition. Excellent. We still have a ton of people in the queue, and they will all get thanked. Awesome. So then tell us, April, who do we have this week? This week, we are giving a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Bobby Gallian, Ellen Seminera, and Bergina Knowles. Yay! <laughs> Bobby, Ellen, and Birgitta, we really appreciate you, and we thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for supporting us with your donations. Thank you so much to you three and again to everyone who has donated over the past couple of years. Now, while I'm here, I'll make one last request for contributions. Of course, there's certainly no pressure to pitch in if you're unable to. This podcast has always been free to everyone. But look, if you missed the potathon and you would like to support the show while I'm still around for another week, please go to our website, bigskyastropod.com. And April has said that she'll make sure I get part of the donations that come in through the end of January. So that's great. And thanks to all of you in advance for that. 
Finally, as always, if you donate $5 or more, we will send you the special episode that we put together for the Capricorn Solstice episode. It takes a three-month look ahead at what's coming up until the Aries Equinox in March. And you'll also get our very hilarious bingo card. And Pod Pals, I do want to give you the heads up that both the Capricorn special episode and the bingo card will be retired at the end of the month. So this is one of your last opportunities to grab hold of both of these gems. You gotta have them. You need to have them. Make those donations. (laughs) Well, that is it for us this episode. A new show will be coming your way next week for the Aquarius New Moon. And until then, keep your feet on the ground. And one final time from me and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time.